What's going on, everybody? Welcome once again to Matt and Brett Love Comics, the show where we read comics with new readers yeah. and show them why it's awesome to love comics. Yeah, and this that's not happening in this episode. Yeah, this but. is uh, welcome to one of our mini episodes where Brett and I hang out and just uh, sort of uh, shoot the S about yeah. comics in general. This is Matt, by the way. And this is Brett MF and White. M. Effin White. He is the one who knocks. We are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, spoiler alert, we are going to tell you what next week's pick is. At some point during the course of this, it's going to come up randomly. Yeah, it's just going to come up randomly. It's not going to be one of those, we're going to tell you up top, and then you can stop listening and feel, like, guilt-free, like, well, I found out what it is, don't have to listen to the rest of it. It can come three quarters of the way in. This is how we conduct conversations with our friends in real life, too. We're like, we're like, we need to talk to you about something. I'm not telling you yet. We're just going to randomly tell you in the middle of a bunch of other stuff that we're going to discuss with you. Yeah. So you can't just walk away. We have really good friends that appreciate us. <laughs> oh. uh, I think uh, I was actually just before this talking to Matt about uh, a thing that I just read that I actually just finished up today, uh, Hulk Season 1. Yeah. By Fred Van Linty and Tom Fowler. Fred Van Linty, and, and who was also, on our live show yeah, last a, year. Our live Comic-Con show. Um, and also colored by... Latest coloring sensation that's just taken the nation by storm, Jordi Belair. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is also doing um, Chris uh, Chris Somney on Rocketeer Cargo of Doom by yeah. Mark Wade of IEW. And it is great. Uh, and what else, she, she, what else is she doing? She's doing so much stuff. Uh, she is great. Uh, it's a really great. It's one of the Marvel Season 1 initiative things. Where they're like taking all of their flagship characters and giving them what is essentially season one, because that phrase is now in the popular. That is in the like lexicon. That's, yeah, that's that's a thing that people know. You know what I like <laughs> about her colors too is that she uses uh, she use everything seems like a solid color, but the light sources are really interesting. Oh, yeah. and. Everything, all of the light is sort of defined in the way, and it helps shape the art, which is what great color art oh, should yeah. do. And then, especially, like, I'm looking at this on Brett's iPad, the the parts, like, where the gamma bomb goes off, this bright color really pops. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah, really, really uh, good stuff. It's like Dave, like Dave Stewart. Um, there's about, like, I feel like 2011, 2012, this is not talking about Hulk season one, but just coloring in general. <clears throat> we're in, like, the renaissance of the colorist, I feel, in a way. You know, I like, think that that is... Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the transition to digital. Yeah. I think that a lot of colorists... And, and again, if you're a colorist and I am I have my head up my own A right now, uh, <laughs> please feel free to let me know. But it really seems like with the, uh, with the rise of digital, you don't have to worry about translating the color from the screen to the, to the page, page and worrying about how it bleeds yeah. across the different Which, types of paper stuff. I remember that was the big thing in 95 when Marvel started switching over to glossy paper. And I actually yeah. remember reading that in like the back of like X-Facts. Where they were like, glossy paper allows uh, allows the page to hold more color, basically. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't bleed as much. That. Yeah, um, and that was also back when they were like, Marvel was printing all the X books at two bucks on glossy, and then a dollar fifty versions on newspaper still for like a little bit while after the Age of Apocalypse, they were still doing that. Oh, I did all the two dollar yeah copies, the I deluxe find, editions. Is I couldn't what they find them. the two dollar copies at like Walden Books and stuff. They only had the dollar fifty ones. Oh, you didn't have a comic shop when you were younger, huh? No, I well, I, no, I didn't start going to a comic book shop until I was in seventh grade, like when regularly weekly for new comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
before that, I would just go to comic book stores to get back issues and toys. But anyway, Hulk Season 1 is great. Uh, I also loved X-Men Season 1, which is the only other Season 1 I've read so far. But You also have the Doctor Strange one as yeah, well. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming in the mail. It's in the mail. Okay. <clears throat> um, but it's, it's, really, uh, it's really good. I, I was telling Matt that uh, of all the 60s Marvel stuff, the, those original six issues of Hulk are the craziest. They're like, really crazy. They make no sense. The changes from issue to issue, what the Hulk can do, why he's the Hulk, it's it's just bananas. It uh, very much feels like the rough draft of a yeah. series, but they just put it out, and then six issues in, they're like, oh, we, we can't, we have no, we still don't have any idea. Doesn't work, Stan! <laughs> hey, I just wanted to say, None of this crap works. Uh, Stan, wait, Stanley was the editor, but he was also the writer. So it was a Stanley, the editor, talking to Stanley, the writer, telling him that the book wasn't working and they had just had to cancel it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, that's I think that's how it was. Yeah. Oh, sure. But what if <laughs> the homunculus Hulk? Homunculus? Homunculus. Homunculus Hulk? Uh, well, we read Stanley write a lot of purple prose last week. I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually a 60s slang he used at some point. Man. But, this homunculus uh, issue is really great uh, because Fred Van Linty does a really good job of um, taking all that bizarre stuff and actually working it into a narrative. Uh, like he does that really well, though. Yeah. He makes. I feel like all of the Van Lenty stuff that I have oh, read, his, his Taskmaster miniseries that he great. just did, like last year, really was like we have a lot of disparate versions of this character. Let's make it work. Yeah, he's the guy that says like, no, 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 guys, don't worry, don't worry, give me. Give me all these pieces. Yeah. I'll make it work. I'll make yeah. it work. And he always does. His stories are always really entertaining and really fun. You, you look at the Taskmaster stuff, uh, the Alpha Flight stuff that they did, oh, yeah, that he and so Greg Pak did last year. That was last year, right? Yeah, because yeah, that was, was around Fear year. Itself. Um, yeah. In this, he actually explains, he has a canonical reason why, in those first Hulk appearances, he could only Hulk out at night. Yeah? Uh, well, it's like, it, on one of the early pages, it's Bruce Banner's, like, theorizing, like, I don't know, it might have something to do with the sun and the amount of, like, energy I take in. It's He's trying to figure out figure it out himself. And then by the end of the issue, he... Um, Could it really be the drop in atmospheric yeah. Compton scattering when the Earth blocks the sun? Even though the solar system seeds with gamma rays 24-7, the drop in visible sunlight is enough to trigger my change? Yeah. Wow. So who knows? Sure. I'm like, that's fine. He's addressing it. He's addressing the fact that when the Hulk first appeared, it was nothing like the Hulk that everyone knows. Yeah. And then by the end of the issue, he gets into the, the stress out, makes him Hulk out thing, which is a whole factor. Uh, he also does a really good job of doing, what I think, what Peter David did a bit, from what I understand, of playing, or what Jason Aaron's been doing, of playing the Hulk versus Bruce Banner. Um, because when he hulks out at night and then Hulk goes out and gets aligned with them, who I guess is an early version of AIM because they're wearing the beekeeper uniforms, but they're called them. Uh, they get aligned with, uh, Hulk, but Bruce Banner is still aligned with like Thunderbolt Ross and all them. So like they're, both of them are playing against each other. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's really, it's just a really fun book. If there's going to be a Hulk movie, it should be this. You know, I think. Speaking of what you just mentioned, I am totally going to eat my own words because the new Incredible Hulk series, first seven to first eight or nine issues, yeah, you I said didn't, not good things about. This. Oh, I hated it. I, I as much as I love Jason Aaron's work, and I love oh, yeah. so much of his work, I really did not care for that series. But it's coming together really, really well. Just in time for him to leave. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it seems like this was the plan the entire time. Okay. And I'm sure that it's... I'm, I'm sure that he probably didn't mean... He may have planned to be on it longer, but it seems like this is the story that he had always intended to tell. Well, well how many issues is it going to be total, his run? I guess it'll probably be 16, 15, something now? like that. Right now, the artist is... Is it still... F. Day Palo? Oh, he's great. He did the yeah. he did the Taskmaster miniseries. I actually think. speaking of, <laughs> uh, he also worked with Jason Aaron on. I first read a J, like Jason Aaron and Hefty Palo both did the Black Panther Secret Invasion tie-in issues years ago, and right. that's the first time I ever read J, a Jason Aaron comic. And I remember reading those, being like, "What is this? This is great." That was when I worked for Wizard and just had comics laying around. Really cool. Really cool portion of Black Panther's history, by the way. If you never read it, you should go check it out. It really, it really does a great job of making Wakanda and the country itself a character yeah. in the Black Panther lore. Whereas so often it seems like you read a lot of Black Panther stories and it's him somewhere else. Talking yeah. about Wakanda being this really cool yeah. place that isn't in the story at all. Yeah. It's like watching an improv scene where two people talk about a cool scene that's happening somewhere else. <laughs> I want to see that scene, Jax. Yeah. We're leaving. Yeah. They're probably doing that scene over at the Magnet or Pit or somewhere. Yeah. If you're talking about it, it's happening. I'm going over to that theater to see if it's going on. Uh, but how how is Jason Aaron winning you over after digging that hole so deep? Here's what I didn't like, and this was what always frustrated me. It felt like... It felt like Banner was being written wildly out of character. Okay. Wildly and dramatically out of character, especially considering the end of Greg Pak's run yeah. just a month or two before it. Yeah. I love the Hulk. I love the dichotomy of the characters, but what I always loved was that Bruce Banner was this guy who wasn't always completely in control, <clears throat> yeah. but wasn't insane. And the banner that Aaron was writing in the first half of the series uh. was bug nuts crazy. <laughs> Just... He was badass crazy. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was badass crazy. And we're starting to see the other side of the coin. The last, the last story arc, Stay Angry, was the Hulk waking up in different places and trying to figure out why Banner put him there. Yeah. You know, and... but. The story, the side of the story that we saw was always the Hulk beating the crap out of stuff and trying to stay angry enough constantly so that Banner would never come back because he realized that he was turning back into Banner again ah. after they had been separated. But we're, the shoe's finally dropping and we're starting to see Banner's side of the story. And it was also a Banner story all along. And Banner even says, I snapped. I realized that a yeah. part of me was missing. And I don't want to get too much into it because... Don't spoil me. It really is... <laughs> so far, I mean, we're only a, an, a, an issue into... Uh, I believe it's called Hulk United or Banner United. Okay. I think it's Hulk United. The first issue is really solid, and it really ties up a lot of what has come before yeah. in a way that I'm that I'm satisfied with so far. This worries me because what you're saying is I didn't like a book for a long time and then it got good again. So now it's basically like saying... Don't drop books you don't like, guys. Well, they might get better. <laughs> no, that's and that's fair. That's, which, is the, which is the fear. That's right? fair. But what for me, what I like here is that this is still <laughs> Jason Aaron writing it. Yeah. So to me, this feels like this was the story he had 
been intending to tell the entire time. And it's not a case of a new... Oh, yeah. It's not a case of a new writer coming in and and sort of making the book better by, like, sort of sweeping some stuff under the rug and pushing some uh, characters that aren't working out the door as quickly as possible. Yeah. That's a good... I'm gonna... I will try to check that out then, because that sounds interesting. Yeah, you should borrow my copies. Yeah, I've never uh, given the Hulk much time, but this season one was really good, and Mark Ruffalo is very attractive. That has nothing to do with... I, one thing I really hope that... Uh, who is Lena Yu doing the relaunch, Indestructible Hulk, with Wade? With Mark Wade. Yeah. Uh, who I can re- do no wrong yeah, for me right now, I hope now, that Lena Yu takes a note from Avengers and draws Bruce Banner like Mark Ruffalo. Really? Yeah. Well, just because I... No, I mean, I like, love- yeah, I know you, you think Ruffalo's a handsome <laughs> guy, and, and I get that. I, I don't know my no I guess puny, my he's Bruce, no puny banner. See now that's the thing for yeah. me. I've always been a puny banner guy. Yeah. Uh, that I I think that to me banners banners always and maybe it's just when I grew up, but for me banners always been sort of the shape that like Sal Buscema or Todd McFarlane would draw him like very yeah rail thin yeah you know or even Dale Keown drew him that way back in the day. Uh, I don't think Gary Frank had any chance to draw Banner. I think he was still drawing. Uh... Anyways, <laughs> but Mark Wade is doing no wrong. Mark Wade is knocking books. almost everything out of the park right now. I cannot believe how much I love Daredevil. Yeah, I love that book so much. So, and I'm going. I have always been a Spider-Man guy. Spider-Man's always been my character. You're switching Spider's your allegiances. Not necessarily, but I've really been thinking about this sort of the way that what I always loved about Spider-Man was that this was a guy that that is sort of he's not always certain that things are going to work out. You know, he's sort of yeah. in, he's sort of uncertain. He's sort of insecure. He's he's a, a hard luck character. Things, but he believes in himself. Like he believes that things can work out. You know? Yeah, he's an optimist and. To me, that's what I've always loved about Spider-Man, is that through through whatever circumstances, he's sort of down on his luck, but always tries his best to pull through. As an adult, as I'm getting older, I'm really finding... Realize that shit doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, S doesn't work out. Yeah. As I, uh, as I try to dig... The bones of my dead father out of the ground. No. Oh, God. No. What What I'm really loving about Daredevil, number one, is it really feels like it's written at a, at a more adult level, yeah. I think, than the other books. Which I love, don't get me wrong. Like, And I totally understand that, you know, the majority of com- mainstream comic books are going to be aimed towards kids and teenagers because yeah. that's where you get them. You hook them early, you keep them. And but this book really feels like reading a great procedural slash superhero book. Yeah. Or 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 watching like watching one of those on TV. And it, it also is not making the mistake of uh, angst and grit and darkness equals adult and dramatic. Yes. Um, because I also I feel I I gave the first I think three to five issues to my ten year old nephew for Christmas uh, because. It's like this. These are the kind of comics that kids should read. I feel because they're not 
they are adult. Like, they're super adult, but they're also super just good stories. And they're yeah. classic. It's like classic storytelling. Uh, it's a weird thing of, like, adult comics for adults that kids should read because it feels like, oh, I'm reading an adult comic. And not in the gratuitous way of, oh, I'm reading an adult comic because that guy got his head blown off. Exactly. And what I what I really like about it is is that tone and... The way that Matt Murdock and Daredevil are behaving in this story, this sort of half yeah. half cocky but confident yeah. and choosing to live your life better. Yeah. Instead of instead of <laughs> wallowing. Wallowing and letting the yeah. world fall in on you yeah. and thinking that everything is against you, saying, No, I'm going to no, I'm going to be happy. Oh, I'm going to yeah. choose to be happy with who I am and what I'm doing. And I don't know it. It's really awesome. I feel like Mark Wade's Daredevil is uh, the type of superhero that I don't want to say I could look up to as an adult because yeah. that sounds kind of sad. I guess. But no. I no. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. I, but uh, but that's what I mean. Honestly, yeah. that's what I mean. He, he, uh, and I I love Daredevil is. You haven't gotten to the Mark, uh, Mike Allred issue yet, because that, that's that's a more recent one. No, I'm only uh, I'm not even to the mega crime, the Omega yeah. Effect crossover. I'm still at. I just finished the two parter with Spider Man. Oh yeah, that was a great. Which is oh, great. Where he, had, where he like hooks up a black cat. Yeah, I can't even remember what for something about that made me laugh out loud, and I can't remember the specifics. But I remember like I love that two parter. There is a fight. So when it opens up on the Daredevil side, yeah. Black Cat is electrocuting Spider-Man. Daredevil frees him, gets pin, it pins down Black Cat. Uh, she says, "Hurt him, yes." And he's in Spidey in the background says, "Mission accomplished." And <laughs> Black Cat says, "Good. That's what you get for turning me into the cops just because I wouldn't sleep with you, you ass." And they both say, Spidey and Daredevil both say, "Wait." And then Spidey says, "You think I turned you in?" And Daredevil says. You're not sleeping with him? <laughs> Fun stuff like that. Mark Wade's a genius. That I love. And and all of the artists that they have on the book as well are... Fucking Stephen Wacker. Effing Stephen Wacker. Yeah. He, uh, it's, it's, just, it's definitely one of those editors where you feel, their, you feel their touch because you don't feel their touch in a way. Yeah. Like he basically has set up this the rules for Daredevil and it's almost like you have to fit this bill like you know like there's a there's a bar you have to cross like and he it's very it's the gatekeeper of Daredevil uh and you feel that with all the books he edits um, yeah Spider-Man amazing I liked a lot of Brand New Day not all of it but there was some good stuff in there yeah that's like however 80% I liked about 80% of it it was always visually gorgeous. Yeah. Everyone that he pulled in, Javi Polito, yeah, who I did not know had that sort of Marcos Martin art style. Yeah. Came on and when I first saw that he was going to be on, I'd only remembered his sort of journeyman work from the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's an interesting case. And I was like, "Oh, okay. You know, this, this I, I, is this fill in or what?" But then when I saw his actual yeah. art like on the Sandman arc, yeah. So but they gorgeous. did great. The thing that I, he fascinates me because I'm reading Robin Year One. I just finished reading it, the DC by, and it's by the same by Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon, who also did Batgirl Year One, which was drawn. Batgirl was drawn by Marcos Martin, and Robin was drawn by Javier Polito. And I 
can't remember the dates, but I think Robin came out first. Robin came out in 2000. Okay. And I want to say that Batgirl came out like a year after that, like a couple years after that. But Javier Polito is drawing in his Marcos Martin style, except on issue four, Marcos Martin comes and they switch off. Like, they do, like, different chapters, and it looks... the it, It's seamless. Oh, man. Uh, so it's amazing. I guess Javier developed that style at some point, and I, Marcos Martin came after him, I think. Yeah. Uh, which blew me away. They're phenomenal, and both... Um, did Javier do anything on Daredevil yet? I'm... Oh, didn't he do the, the Black Cat story? No, Kano drew that. Oh god, he's great too. And that was that was impressive as well because I believe Kano did art on Joe Kelly's run of Superman. Oh really? About a decade oh, ago. And it was okay, but this yeah. is spectacular. The expression the it's it's a it's a European art style yeah. that, that Wacker seems to be able to bring in to Marvel and not make it seems so far removed from the rest of the universe yeah. they're they're these are artists that really know how to exp- use a character to show their emotions they yeah. they emote well they're great storytellers yeah their there's physicality is great very, there's something very house style about dc comics oh very uh, much so and well it's like uh, at dc it seems like you have you know your Steve Pugh on Animal Man, Yannick Paquette on Swamp Thing, uh, Cliff Chang on Wonder Woman, and like J.H. Williams on Batwoman. And then after that, you have like your, you know, your Gary Frank, Doug Monk type guys, and then you just have your Jim Lee clones. Like, there are only, I feel like there are only a handful of DC books that have as distinct of an artistic style. I'm not saying that, that DC books are drawn poorly or anything at all. I just feel like there's more of a unifying look to all of them. Whereas Marvel, they really seem to cultivate interesting talents. Technically, don't corners. forget Capullo, though, too. Because oh, he yeah, is Capullo is totally, yeah. He's the league of his own right yeah. now, honestly. But I do agree with you, they seem more homunculus. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. They, they seem... Which is, a, which is a positive adjective. Yeah, they seem more similar yeah. than a lot of what... And maybe maybe we're just dipping into parts of the Marvel U that have that and aren't thinking yeah. about the other ones. But, you know, you have someone like Ryan Stegman on Fantastic yeah. Four right now who is... You know, I love I loved Scarlet Spider and then everything that he's doing on yeah. Fantastic Four really even seems like a jump up from that. He yeah. just seems to be really bringing it. And, you know, they're allowing people like Tom Fowler to jump in on Venom. Yeah. You know, and you have all of these unique art styles that 10 years ago the roles would have certainly been reversed. DC, these guys would have all been drawing yeah, most at DC. Of them, most of them were. Yeah. I didn't, because I'm, I'm just now basically, I'm my curve with DC is about 10 years. Uh-huh. I am just now into, like, uh, Ed Brubaker's Catwoman and Gotham Central, and I love those books, and they are amazing, and they are both 10 years old. Really good stuff. And it's all drawn by, I mean, that... That Ed Brubaker Catwoman run had Javier Polito, Cameron Stewart, uh, Darwin Cook, um, a bunch of those guys. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that, too, because I feel like a lot of times comic readers and people who look at comics from the outside get caught up far, far too much in the hot new now. Yeah. And 
that's why everyone seems to keep chasing the event's tail, and yeah. that's why it, it seems like everyone wants to see all these new number ones because it's new, hot, and now. Yeah. And but you already got your perfect jumping on points in your in your back catalog. People. Yeah. Like Gotham Central should be everyone's gateway comic almost. Like it's, it's a like really your, really your great friend story. that doesn't read comics who loves television. Wait, isn't that isn't that what our show is? Yeah. We should we should read Gotham Central. Okay, we will read uh, that in the next. That is such a great, it's such a great book. It's such a great formula. It's just it's so good. Um, we need to read that Joker arc. That's what we should. Yeah, maybe just the first six issues. Yeah, we'll just I mean also uh, Half a Life, the the Renee Montoya arc. Oh the yeah, like outing her and everything is so good. Uh, they've made me care for characters that I'd never cared about before, which is really interesting. Well, well, that's good because. The fir- you can't spell character without care. No, actually, you can. Wait. No, what? technically you can't. I thought you were going to say you can't spell character without DC, but that isn't true. Care- almost it was like character. Character. <laughs> character is... It, that is going to be That's our a- term now for, <laughs> like, a character that an artist or, or a writer shoves into a book. Yeah. <laughs> Carrick Durr sounds like the real name of like a superhero villain. Carrick Derp. I am Carrick Durr of the <laughs> Durr people. Um, I'm trying to think of a Carrick Durr right now. Uh, I our guest from last week, Michael Hartney, uh, recommended that I get all the. Or well, he didn't recommend that I get all of these. He just said to me that Danger Girl was good. And. Brett being Brett. Well, there was a 99 cent sale on Comixology, so I bought all eight issues. It was like seven bucks for the... And I checked to see, and Jason Campbell does draw all those issues. Yeah, the first eight issues of so, Danger Girl, he draws all of them. I'm like, I'll do... What did J. Scott Campbell make his name doing interiors for? J. Scott Campbell became popular doing Gen 13. That's, he did yeah, Gen that's 13, right. and... Did he create Gen 13, or was he the first artist, artist on he it? He was the first artist. He was the first artist on it, and... Okay, so here's how it broke down. He did he did the miniseries for Gen 13, and then they relaunched Gen 13 as an ongoing. Yeah. And somewhere in there, they... Jim Lee did two issues of fill-in because he was coming back to interior art. Okay. And then they had the 13th issue, which had 13 covers. <laughs> and... Oh, variants. I'm so glad we got over that. Yeah. Just so kidding. he stayed on the book until the early 20s. I think he did it up until about 25. Oh, Al so, Rio... Okay, so, so he had a run. Yeah. Al Rio did fill-ins towards the end there just to continue to get it out. And then... Because it... it there were there were delays on that book yeah, yeah. as well. And then he left that to do Danger Girl yeah. in and 98. I, I bought Danger Girl number one. Wizard sold me on that. Mm-hmm. I bought number one. I never followed up. Well, it took forever to finish. Yeah. I think it took him a couple of years to do all eight issues. Okay. I got him now. Because yeah. I, I realized this morning when I was listening to iFanboy, they were talking about It Girl uh, from Image. The It's like a Mike Allred character that, like, people are doing and i realized oh there are there are comic books with female leads that i'm not buying yet i am one of the people that's like you if the if marvel and dc say they don't sell we gotta buy them so i was like oh well then i should probably actually like try and buy all of these 
So what uh, did you think? Uh, I haven't read it. I haven't read any of them yet because I bought them at work. Okay. <laughs> so I'm wondering, but I bought I bought um, Supergirl, Birds of Prey, uh, and then X23, uh, Batwoman and Batgirl because I both dropped all I dropped all three of those. Uh, I bought Rachel Rising. Ooh, we, hey, we got guests. Uh oh. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, our guest for next week's episode just arrived. Our one of our guests. Oh yeah. But we're not going to say his name, because it's going to be a surprise. Yeah, that uh, works. But anyway, I bought a whole bunch of comic books starring women. Yeah. I bought. Uh, I also bought Rachel Rising, a Glory, and... The New Glory by The New Glory, because Kevin Hines and... recommended it. And... Uh, uh, revival. <laughs> Took me a long time to remember that. It just started, it's like on issue two or three. Um... But it's not ringing a bell. What, who, who does that? Mike Norton and Tim Seeley. Oh, okay. It's like a post-apocalyptic thing. But anyway, I'm like, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start buying those and reading those because if I am a big champion for female-led comics, I should actually buy them. No, that's fair. No, I think that that's uh, totally fair. I think that's a problem with a lot of with a lot of the comic fandom. Is there's there is definitely that sense of entitlement where people want to rail about the problems that they see. Yeah. In the industry, but then don't want to do it, do their part to make it better. Yeah. So if if everything changes, it's all my fault in a good way. I'm taking all the credit. So so it's not it's not <laughs> thanks to you. It's no, all your fault. It's all my fault. Even if it goes There's well. There's all this gender equality in comic books now, and it's all my fault. Oh, <laughs> the, the uh, Steinem of comics. <laughs> you are. I'm going to make everyone please start sending me t-shirts calling me the Gloria Steinem of comics. Yeah, I'm um, going to start introducing every episode with my partner, the Gloria Steinem Nicole of comics. Nicole is going to hate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, since our since one of our guests is here, we should probably talk about the comic book that we're about to talk about in a few minutes, but you're going to hear next week. That's right. Our pick for next week, uh, Lock and Key. Volume by, 1. Volume 1 from IDW Publishing by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Yes. Right, okay, I got all those names out without looking anything up. Yes, colored uh, by Jay Photos. Since oh. we started talking about colorists, oh, might yeah. as well. Because uh, uh, I really like the color on this book. Uh, oh, yeah. Spoiler alert, I've jumped into it already. Spoilers, we've read this already. Yeah, it's... <laughs> well, you'll you'll see how we feel about it. Re- look at the name of our show, and yeah. you can probably guess how yeah, we felt God, about it. Guys. But uh, yeah, I, by Joe Hill, it was his first book. Yeah, he he has a pedigree. Yes, he right. is Stephen King's son. Yeah, but he's like, I don't want your, I don't want your last. Name. I don't want your <laughs> life. That's why I'm wearing the shirt. Oh, I love it. Oh, there's uh, that's my mom calling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hold on, uh, I don't, I won't take this. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> whoa, uh, but yeah, it's available on Comicsology. It's also like you can get on Amazon. We'll have all those links up for y'all. For is the IDW ones. app still a thing, or did they close it down officially? I don't know. You guys got Comicsology. We don't support any company-owned app. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, good lord! You have friends at Dark Horse. Yeah, I know. listen to this. <laughs> oh god! Uh, whoops. Um. Uh, but anyways. you're the Mitt Romney of comics. <laughs> oh no! man, Mitt oh. Romnicks. Okay. Romnicks. Whoa, <laughs> Mitt Romney supporters would be you really wild. Your own dialogue. I did. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, going to check that out. Um, yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, it's uh, it looks gorgeous, and it's a fascinating story. It opens up an entire universe. Yeah, which I'm gonna have to read about. Lock and key opens up a ah. Good, that was good. Yeah, I'll be. I'm, I'll. I'll hang myself in the corner. <laughs> 
voicemail. Kadank. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can check us out at mattbrightlovecomics.com. Yeah. Uh, you can head over there and click on the Amazon or Comixology links for the story that we'll be reading next week. If you do choose to pick them up, please click through from there. That kicks a little bit back to us and keeps the lights on. We Even if you want to buy, like, shoes or a t-shirt from Amazon, if you want to buy anything from, Am- from Amazon, go to our site, click... Th- Click through from our store and then buy it in that window. Yeah, it costs you nothing, it but money. kicks are a little you bit. Sponsored by Amazon? We are not, but oh, my it goodness. Can be now. Stamps.com, just go and <laughs> type in WTF. You wanna you wanna put you wanna put things in you? That's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. AdamandEve.com. Yeah. Do it up. <laughs> Let's have Mark Marin to our list of show air quote show enemies. Yeah, Shogun Moffat. Uh, anyway, um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Brett White. You read my comic book resources article in your Face Jam every week. Um, leave us comments on iTunes, guys. Do that stuff. Leave us reviews. It helps us out. It does. It does indeed. Uh, so yeah, please check us out next week when we will be reading Lock and Key Volume One, which is a six-issue miniseries by Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez. And until that time, you can catch me on Twitter slash the Matt Little, Facebook slash the Matt Little. Head to lefthandedradio.com for uh, more information about our sketches and sketch show. And our upcoming show on October 4th, The Sequel Machine presents Ninth Mare on Elm Street. Yes. Uh, So get ready for that. And that show will also be featuring our two guests on next week's episode. So check that out. Uh, So until next week, this is Matt. This is Brett. And we love comics. Yay, yay. Is that what I'm going to say now? Yep. I think so. (laughs) 